Well, hello again, and welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show, or to new listeners, welcome the first time. We try to offer thoughtful conversations about things that matter with interesting guests. We try to expose the existential threats to America, even if they're from the White House. And we discuss the news of the day. You think that's funny? Uh, yes. It's not so funny. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not I so know, funny I, when, yeah. it's, when it's, but it's you know, when you say it, it's funny. We'll also hear today from Joel Farkas. He's the director of the American Strategy Group. I am a fellow of the American Strategy Group here in Washington. Uh, and I'm in Washington today with Claude. Claude. I, I am in Washington. Yes, with you. And we just ate at Subway or just ate from Subway. Yeah. I had the foot-long ham and cheese, uh, some bacon on there. And I had the six-inch tuna fish. Correct. No bacon on that. <clears throat> no. I was the only one who got that. Joining me today also uh, is our good friend Mark Davis. Remark from the Morning in America show. We used mm-hmm. to have him call in all the time. He's host of the Mark Davis show. It's a it's a great radio show. You can catch his work on townhall.com as well and dallasnews.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. Delighted to have Claude here in person with me. Delighted to have me here in person. Yes. In D.C. as well. It's been a while. Right. You were in New York at the U.S. Open, the tennis. Yeah, working U.S. Open radio. And then you were in Seattle. Right. On another project. Uh, but breaking windows and burning buildings down. Is that what you, <laughs> That's not what I was Claude, doing. Wait, Claude, really? Now? <laughs> no, I wasn't doing any of Thought that. Thought I stuff. saw a guy who looked like you out there. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Terrible. Terrible. I'm sorry. What were you doing out there? Also, uh, out there doing a, doing a project. It was really short and simple. Uh, but also, that same, same weekend was uh, CNN's anniversary. And so I said, hey, why don't we make a weekend oh, out of it? Your anniversary. Right. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, so we went ahead and uh, she came out, knocked out some quick work, and then we celebrated the rest of the weekend. Did you get down to the waterfront? We did. We did. Did a lot some of stuff. Good seafood, oh, some man. really good food, hanging out at the market and stuff like that. And I used to go to ones. Ivers Acres of Clams. Did mm-hmm. you see that? Our friend Noreen sent me a message about about the, about the place. Yeah. Ivers Acres of Clams. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, acre, I said I'd like an acre of clams, please. <laughs> but uh, I... It's good. It's a good place. And the mm-hmm. waterfront's fun. So you didn't see the city trashed. No. So I didn't see the. What I saw was a lot of uh, a lot of homelessness, and you know, you know, I do a lot of stuff in D.C. with with the homeless population. But there's certain categories. I mean, you've got some that are you know, just legit out of work and you know, homeless now. Uh, and then you've got some that have like a, there's a mental issue there, and they're on the streets yep, and things like yep. that. But then you've got the drug use, and that's yep. what was really kind of um, I don't know. It just it just hit me a little differently. I mean, we're talking about two p.m. in the afternoon. There are people out on the streets. We're talking hard drugs in the middle of the day, and it's not as if there were a lack of people around. I mean, folks were going to work, folks were you know sightseeing, and right there, there's just folks selling drugs, doing drugs, and the police around. I mean, police around, maybe a block away, maybe down the street, but they know what's going on there i mean if i'm if i'm visiting there for the first time and i'm walking around i know what's going on clearly the police they know what's going on those problems don't get smaller right right mm-hmm. you know uh they metastasize and uh they can take over your city mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh it's a shame man it's such a gorgeous city too it is beautiful it is. city mm-hmm. was it rainy uh in the evenings it yeah, was but for the most part we got pretty good weather usually it's rainy yeah <laughs> did you get coffee uh yeah of course they do Gotta a lot go. of coffee out there. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of coffee just, and wine bars is what they, you know. Yeah, you can't just say like a cup of coffee. There's code words for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so what do you mean? You want, you know, it's all very, you know. And apparently there at Pike's Market, the first Starbucks was there. Pike's Market. The yeah. line was all the way down the street and around the corner. I mean, some people were waiting for an hour just to say they got a cup of coffee from this place. And it's like. Who, Starbucks? Who, yeah. Who wants I to don't do even that? like their coffee. Yeah, me either. I'll like, go to McDonald's for coffee. McDonald's, great coffee. Dunkin', Dunkin', yeah, Dunkin's Dunkin'. good. Yep. Yep. I, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Well, it's okay. like you said, you can't even order coffee. You can't even say large, medium, or small there. Right. You've got to say like venti or. Oh, yeah, whatever. whatever else. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know the other sizes. Yeah, I just, yeah, I know. I, I went up to one of those vendors and said, just give me a cup of coffee. He said, you know what? What? <laughs> regular. Mm hmm. Yeah, what? <laughs> Can you put coffee in the cup? Coffee in the cup. That's <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's talk to Joel. You're listening to the Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Okay, let's welcome Joel Farkas to the show. He's the director of the American Strategy Group, Claude. I'm a fellow of the American Strategy Group here in Washington. Mr. Farkas. How are you? William Bennett here and Claude Jennings. 
Mr. Jennings. Mr. Farkas, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Okay. What the hell is going on in America? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You know what's going on? We we obviously know craziness, but I still have this optimism. There's I used to say 100, 150 million people are really, you know, have this love of liberty and wonderment. And I think it's 200 million people or more. There's a whole lot of people that are absolutely checking out from all this nonsense. And they're living their their lives. They're, they're having raising their families, um, loving their kids, loving their parents. They just check it. They're, they're they're not listening anymore. They're just living a wonderful life, and no one knows about it. I know about it. I see them. Very few people know about how how, how these how these wonderful Americans are living. Are these young people? They're very young people. I mean, you know, I used to think, you know, there's these generational gaps with this stuff. My gosh, they're they're very young. They're teenagers. They're 20s, 30s, certainly older people like you and me. Um, they are packing up, getting out of places and going all to. We're now hearing the names of, of towns and cities that we've never heard of before. We used to hear about Boise, Idaho and you know, Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, uh, you know, Jacksonville, things like that, Nashville. Now we're hearing, we're hearing these, these town, Keensburg, you know, Keensburg, Fort Lupton, um, that's in Colorado and all these, these places, these 19,000 other places in America, people are, are learning about them. They're going to them, they're seeing them and they're, they're, they're the future. It's the future of America. So there's not, there's not enough bad stuff going on to cloud the sky for you. Well, I will say for me, for if you, if for me, um, business is phenomenal. Uh, my optimism is as high as I've ever seen it from what I'm describing now. Now, would I say that if I were living in San Francisco or LA or Seattle or Chicago or New York or Atlanta? No, I, I would, I, I would, I would be despondent. I would be I mean, Minneapolis. My God. What I said, Minneapolis is about ready to put on the ballot to defund, defund, I didn't know that was a word, defund the police again. Uh, you know, Keith Ellison, the attorney general, Ilan Omar, uh, all these people in the, in the city council, they want to get rid of them. They want to get rid of the police. So um, rather than argue with Keith Ellison, who's a Louis Farrakhan supporter, or Ilan Omar, who's a, an anti-Semite, um, rather than argue with them, people just get up and leave. As Clint Eastwood said in High Plains Drifter, you know, when they was asked, what do we do now? You live with it. So they, they live with it. They live with these, these, these godforsaken policies. I think I was with you when Clint Eastwood said that. I love that line. I love that line. Yeah, I think we watched that together. <laughs> they asked you if you want to go out, and you said, no, I don't want to go out. Let's watch a movie. That's right. So, all right. So I, I'm glad you're coming to visit me because I started by saying, what the hell's going on in this country? And you said, it's great. They're, going, they're all over the place. There's young people, and they're going to Fort Lupton, and they're sitting up their lives, and they're getting married and having children. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just talked about Elon Omar and Minneapolis. Maybe that's just Minneapolis. However, if you notice that Elon Omar and others got something through the Congress, a billion dollars less for Israel for yeah. the Iron Dome, which is not an offensive weapon. It's a defensive weapon, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not um, trying uh, to depress you. I'm trying to get you to lift me, and I think you will this weekend. Maybe I'm just sitting here in D.C. Too much D.C. Too much focus on Biden, uh, and I'm not looking at the broader country. Is the broader country disregarding these things? It's not that they aren't serious. They're serious matters, right? These are very serious matters. So Boston, uh, they got billboards now. Uh, all up uh, through Boston now. One of them says uh, it has to do with the topic you just raised about Israel and the United States. And one of the billboards says, um, you know, from the Jewish perspective and the Israeli perspective, well, you didn't like us when we didn't defend ourselves. You don't like us when we defend ourselves. It doesn't leave much wiggle room. And yes, it's serious. That is serious. Um, and, you know, uh, and, 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 and elected officials who have power like Ilan Omar and, and Rashid Tlaib and, and, and AOC and all these people, they absolutely want to pros, you know, promote policies that decimate the only 
other place in the world where Jews are safe. There's two places, America and Israel. And, and, and I think, is, and I think that provision at least passed the Democratic caucus. I don't know. I don't think it's law yet because it's part of this larger bill, but I think, I think the Democrats swallowed it. To all my, to all my Jewish Democrat friends, would you please, after the last 30 years, please stop telling me that the Democrat party supports Israel and Jews when the more, and, and tell me how extreme the Republican party is when your party does what you just said and more if they're given the chance. I just beg you, please, all my Democrat friends, stop it. Okay, I, I want to come back to our question because I didn't know this was going to be our question. Which country is it? The one I started with when I said, what the hell is going on? What a mess. Or the one you said, it's bustling, it's bursting out of its seams, it's young, it's vibrant. People are saying, never mind about those problems. Is it both? It's both. It's No, it's both. I mean, we... You know, uh, the tale of two cities, Dickens, it starts off with it's the best times and the worst of times. That's where we are. Do these uh, young people optimistic and moving and going to these new places and um, starting their lives and starting their businesses, um, do they vote? (laughs) Really? Yeah, that that seems to me one of the problems is that, I I don't know, you know, tell me I'm wrong, Joel, but... So, well, Biden's approval rating dropped to 46%. 46%. Why the hell would 46% of the American people support what this guy's doing? Everything he's doing is wrong. Everything. <laughs> well, in, 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 I don't, we don't have enough time to go over everything that's wrong. I mean, we have, the FAA tried to stop drones to cattle catalog what's going on on the border and what's going on on the border. I mean, I, I don't know how anyone could possibly say that's anything but other than a catastrophe. It's a, it's a human and moral and social catastrophe. But, you know, the young kids, I mean, COVID is, uh, has been going on now for a year and a half or more. Um, every week, young kids are getting married again. You know, they, 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 things were put off. Um, they're getting married. They're starting families, yes, and, and, I, and I, I just have to—I have to admire that. I love that. I, by, by the way, I think it's just wonderful that 28-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 35 and 32-year-olds are doing this. Um, they wouldn't—they wouldn't. You know, it wasn't so long ago that progressives told us that the, the single largest contributor to c- climate change is having too many kids, having too many people. Forget about driving an electric car or solar power, things like that. By far, the single largest contributor is one more kid. And they said, don't have any. Don't get married. Don't have any. And by the way, marriage is an old you know, construct. Well, while we hear that, while they say that, the, the bays, all these bays, whoever they are, kids aren't, kids aren't listening. And, and the only reason one would get married to have kids is because they have a, a, a bright view of, our, of their future and our future. That's the only reason. Nobody would ever, if you, th- if you thought the world was coming to an end, you would never do that. No, you wouldn't. Now, now, how, now does that mean we're not in the, in the best of times and the worst of times? I don't think I ever would have imagined how despicable our cities could be in this country. I just don't, there's no way I could have predicted what, what we're witnessing now. It's a disaster. You mentioned, I, I want Claude to get in here for a second. Claude, uh, you mentioned Seattle, and Claude just got back from Seattle. And uh, just, just tell Joel what. You told me what you saw. Yeah, that's one of the most, I mean, a beautiful city, beautiful place to go, wonderful to, to, to see and take in. But, I mean, the most striking thing was just the, the, the amount, and it's not just homelessness, but the amount of homeless drug users on the street in the middle of the day. We're talking 2 p.m. in the afternoon, uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, doing hard drugs, the, the yeah. sale of hard drugs, the use of hard drugs. is just out. And, and by the way, you know, folks who are going to work and walking around it. We know what's going on. There's police a block away, police two blocks away. They know what's going on. No one's doing anything about it. And like Bill said earlier on the show before you came on, Joe, that kind of stuff doesn't – it gets worse before it gets better. That stuff doesn't just imp- improve, and it, it has its way of ruining the cities. And saw it firsthand in, in Seattle a few days ago. Claude, you're right. And, and you know, we hear – everyone now is in America is an amateur statistician. What do, we, what do we read? How many people died from COVID and with whatever method that people count on in terms of what is a COVID death? Well, you know what also, Bill, and you've said this, and Claude just said this, and Bill, you've said this your entire life. 
There's almost 100,000 people last year that died from opioids in fentanyl. That's right. 100,000. Right. And it happens every year, and it increases at an alarming rate every single year. One very important thing about that, if you look at the average age of the people who died from COVID, it's about 75 to 80. Average age of the people who died from opioids, it's about 26. Yeah. So, so, so I, all of our amateur statisticians who, who became journalists who write headlines, look at this. Look at what you just said. Um, uh, another stat, you know, six is not a, is not a fact. That that's a guess, but I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm right. I mean, it's going to be thirty or forty years younger than the. Well, it, 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 it doesn't matter if it's twenty five or twenty eight or twenty two or whatever. Thirty five or even forty or, or nineteen. It, 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 it is a substantial difference. And, and, you know, California just had a, a recall election and uh, the people in California who were supporting um, the, 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 the sitting governor and trying to say how wonderful California is and it's really not that bad. You know, one of the stats they kept describing and Bloomberg of all publications wrote this article, this big expose. California is actually a low tax state for middle class people. That's that what that's what they said. It's a low-tax state for, for middle-class people. Now, what their theory was is they looked at, at, at state income taxes. Um, now, it is true from a middle-class person, your state income tax isn't that high. It's very high if you're wealthy. But what is also true is that the state doesn't – they pass what's called fees, assessments, regulations, and all these kinds of other names that are something other than the name of a tax. Which are which are things people have to pay, housing costs, transportation costs, fuel, you know, uh, gasoline, which is six plus dollars a, a gallon now in California. It's what? So, m- some places in Northern California, it's more than six dollars a gallon. I had no idea. Uh, wow. Utility costs, food costs, all these things, all these assessments, all these fees. Well, of course, the quote unquote tax isn't that high, but but the reason. It isn't is because they have to go to the, the the vote of the people to raise it. So they call it something else. It. They call it all these other things. So you have Bloomberg, a financial journal, writing something like this and people parroting this nonsense of low te- quote unquote low taxes for middle class people in California. It is not only stupid, it's not only ignorant, it's not only offensive, it's just not even accurate. By um were you surprised by the margin? I thought it was going to be closer in California. No, I wasn't surprised. Um, a lot of people, um, <laughs> the people we're talking about who don't like it, they're leaving. The only people that think it's great yeah. are staying, and they're the ones who spout what I just said. It's a low-tax state for middle-class people. We're going to end up with very rich, very poor, and ignorant middle-class people in California. Okay. The rest are leaving. Okay. They left California for another state. Yeah. Here's my thesis. I'm back to Biden. Remember Bob Gates, a former defense secretary, said he got every foreign policy decision he ever made wrong. Now he's getting them wrong at home, too. You mentioned the border. My God, it is a disaster. It is a catastrophe. And those people who are being distributed, as they're saying, throughout the United States are going all over the place. They're going to states everywhere. I've seen yeah. them in North Carolina. I've seen them here in Maryland. They're going everywhere. Okay, that's one point. Two, leave California because, uh, you know, the stupid taxes and, and the fees and everything are so high. What do you leave when you get inflation? That's going to be very high, isn't it, in the country, in the whole country, right? Yeah, it is. You're right. Uh, um, and and, and <laughs> we're not going to end this discussion this morning without you um depressing me a little bit <laughs> no i don't I, no because then you'll cancel a trip and you won't come and then i'll be depressed no 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 i'm no, just but you're right i'm you're just right. trying to look at the world the way it is and 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 I, and I do see i mean i look i got these two sons full of hope and promise and young families and one's married with a child one's getting married wants to have children right away you know, full of vim and vigor and, and hope, but they're also nervous. They're also nervous. And they should be. And they should be. Yeah. You know what they should yeah. be. You know, they, 
when you're one of these politicians, so what, what is going on with the, the border and people moving all over the country? This is, this is a planned, focused effort. It is to inundate this country with people who are not interested in looking at our history, admiring our history, looking at right. liberty and freedom. It, 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 is, it, is, it is a purposeful, planned uh, 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 endeavor. Is it a voting and, scheme? Yes, it, it is. As you know, the, you know, we what's the what's the phrase we hear all the time? Uh, you know, voting rights. Well, <laughs> what is what what is the protection for for an American citizen who votes versus someone who's not who votes? I mean, this this whole these, these phrase when you're when you're an elected official anywhere in the world in the history of the world, there's no repercussions for you to be wrong. There's, there is, um, you, you can be as wrong as you want. We have press conferences every week with the, with the, uh, the president and his, uh, his spokesperson, uh, Jen Psaki. And it doesn't matter how wrong he is. What is her, I mean, her phrase, I don't even watch him, but one of her phrases she utters all the time is someone asks, a journalist asks a question, says this is wrong. What do you say about this? She says, we don't see it that way. Her, her response is, we don't see it that way. So when you're an elected official, you get to just say, I don't agree. I don't see it that way. Here's what we see. And you yeah. can make up what you see. You can make it up. By the way, this was going on 2,600 years ago in the Greek times when uh, when people were running for, for office then. I mean, they... <laughs> They they were uh, they were the, the the politicians who manipulated language and it became the term sophistry. Sophist, the yeah. Sophists. Now you're going the where sophists. I live. That's where I was born in uh, philosophy, Greek philosophy. Socrates taking on the sophists. The yeah. sophists were the admired people that people looked yeah. up to, and then he and, and they, he coined the term sophistry because they just manipulated what they said. Right to make it and sound it, good. Right. And so you, you know and and. and and when you're a politician, it, it, it matters. It matters that you are right and your opponent is wrong, and you decimate your opponent. And you, you quote Thomas Huxley all the time. He, all these wonderful things he said in his in his, in his lifetime. One thing I, I liked, he said, it, it, it should not matter who is right. It should matter what is right. Well, when you're a politician, it only matters who is right. That's it. All these politicians went to these great Ivy League schools have these great careers, many of whom are lawyers, uh, great, you know, brilliant people. They only care who is right, period, not what is right. The last time you were on, Joel, you said a lot of the policies of this administration were aimed at punishing you, but in fact, they're enriching you. Is that still the case? Yes. How does that work? Did they just miss the mark? Are they just stupid like they were in Afghanistan? Did they just not know how to hurt you? You're a conservative Republican, I assume. Well, so um, let's talk about the oil and gas business. You're in the um, oil and gas business. Right? Yeah, I'm in the oil and gas business. Um, uh, a year ago at the election, October 30th, oil, oil was $38 a barrel. 38. It's now $72 a barrel. Now, um, progressive Democrats who voted for Biden would say, well, that's not Biden's fault. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, they got to find someone to blame. It's, uh, I don't know, it's Russia's fault, Russia. It's Saudi Arabia's fault. It's the Middle East. It's, it's the, uh, the dastardly Permian Basin in, in Texas. It's all these bad people. They're blaming it's, it's, everything. It's also Trump, right? It's still Trump. Well, yeah, yeah, it's probably Trump, too. I, I forgot. Yeah, it's, that's, it's always his fault. Well, it, it dumped it more than, it almost doubled since he's became president. And in, in, in a, month or, a month or two ago, Biden actually came out and somewhat begged the middle, the OPEC countries, please produce more oil to reduce oil prices, to reduce gasoline prices. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you cannot. So now is Biden dumb? No, Biden just comes up with what he has to say. Who is dumb? Every journalist who is incapable of understanding what just, what I just said. And it, and doesn't hold anyone accountable for what he just said. And these in in and, and by the way, instead of begging OPEC to produce more oil, what did he do the first week of his presidency? He began the the decimation of the Keystone Pipeline, and and, and yeah. since he was elected, production of oil and gas in the United States. And then he begs OPEC to produce more, and simultaneously, simultaneously. He authorized and relieved sanctions against Russia to complete the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is a gas pipeline under the Baltic Sea, which was approved by Germany, 
Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Finland, and the chairman of Nord Stream 2 for Russia is the ex-chancellor of Germany. Yeah. So are, is, is, is Biden stupid? No, he just says what he says, like every other uh, feckless elected official. Do we have one journalist in this country that works for a major media outlet, even remotely, saying anything about this? No. He's getting you rich on oil, though, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and it, by the way, not only is it getting me rich, Russia and OPEC Plus is the is a Middle Eastern countries yeah. plus Russia. <clears throat> they are now selling half the amount of oil they need to sell at double the price. They're getting as much as they were getting by selling double the amount of oil. Yeah. They, he has absolutely, absolutely balanced and increased the budget for all OPEC plus Russia countries in the world. Can he wreck I'm the right country? There. What's that? Can he wreck the country? Yes. What well, countries be wrecked? Can he wreck it in the span of four years? He can do a lot of damage. Um, there's going to be, it's like, it's like a hurricane or a flood or a fire. We have to go back and fix it and it takes some time. But yeah, yeah, he can, he's, he's doing a good job of it. If in two years we have uh, a Republican take over the House, which essentially means can block him on everything, that'll slow down the wreckage. The best we can do in two years, in, in, in now a little over a year, is slow down and maybe retard what he's doing. Um, fixing it is going to be difficult. And, I, and, and, and I, this is where I, I, I get melancholy. Uh, it's going to be, you know, back to how, how, how elected officials just spout inaccuracies. Back to California, wildfires. Wildfires in California. Everyone's read about them the last several years. Why? What does the governor say? Governor Newsom say uh, climate change. No, actually, um, every single uh, public utility in California, Southern California Edison, Pacific Gas, uh, San Diego Gas and Electric, every single one of them have been sued and have lost and have required billions of dollars to pay for the damage caused by wildfires because of their 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 their, their systems sparking being not maintained and literally physically and judicially causing these wildfires and to the point where the regulation the regulatory agencies in California had to allow them to redo their rates and charges to be able to pay for the billions of dollars that they were that they lost in court for starting wildfires wildfires climate change didn't start wildfires okay, I want to come back I want to come back to the same argument as before so that's the argument he makes, and you make this counter-argument and point out what's happened with these utility companies. So Biden's at the U.N. yesterday, and his main topic was climate change. He used to call it global warming. And what we're going to do in this country to you know help pre- prevent climate change. Where, where do I go then? I mean, if he does to the country what the guys out there have done to California, where do I go? <laughs> And and to what he said, he, he likes to say climate change. Well, in the next ten years, there's no uh, even the UN acknowledges the use of fossil fuels will increase yeah. between now and 2030. Okay. And where are they going to increase? China and India. Yeah. Why are they going to increase in China, and India? Because the Paris Climate Accords gave them a pass uh, on a, on a feckless uh, right. accord right. to allow them to produce whatever they want as much as they want until 2030. Right. It, it, so where do you go? Um, the best place in the world is still the United States, and, um, and will be at the it, end of his it, term. It's <laughs> it's going to be diminished, but there's still no better country in the world than the United States, and and we can see that because of all the people trying to get in here. When you say where do you go, <laughs> I can tell you where everyone else in the world wants to go here. Yeah. We're going to do a case study uh, after we talk to you. We're going to talk to Mark Davis, a friend of ours in Texas. We're just going to do a case study of everything we're talking about here in regard to Texas. It's a very interesting state and a very interesting place right now for lots of reasons. Um, but, okay, the dreams of those folks that you described when I said, you know, what's going on in the country, and you answered up front, they won't be destroyed. But they could be slowed down and they could be marred. They could be deferred. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yes. Not, but not extinguished. Not extinguished. You know, um, there's a difference between you know someone's dreams and their soul and and and, and, etern- and an eternal connection. 
from a politician trying to beat something into you that they believe to be true. And I still just have to believe um, that that these eternal desires and wants and wishes will prevail. But we got to go to work, right? Everyone has to work. Yes, we have to. We have to. We have to care. We, we're going to start with having to care, and we have to. We and we we do have to do what you're saying. We have to acknowledge. I have to acknowledge. Yes, this is a. I don't. This is not Pollyanna. This is a real problem, and we have to care, and we have to to save it, and we have to to, to want it, and we have to tell others. You no, know, any anyone we talk to each and every day, we have, we just have to tell them what's important and what's true, what's an eternal truth, not what's some sort of phony fact. Okay, um, we move forward. It's the greatest nation in the world, greatest nation in the history of the world. We are as divided as we've ever been, but we're still the last best hope of Earth. Long lines of people get in. I don't know how long the lines are. They just get in. but No long lines going out, right? No, no one wants to leave. Even the people who said they would after Trump got elected, they didn't go, did they? No. There's no repercussions for saying something stupid. <laughs> no. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. Thank you, Mr. Farkas. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Claude. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Policy Genius can help you refresh your cool weather wardrobe for autumn, but they can help you shop for another kind of wardrobe and coverage, life insurance. I just refreshed my fall wardrobe. Had to let some things out because I put on a little bit of weight. So those 32 size, those uh, size 32 jeans and pants, I can't fit anymore. So I've got to buy some new stuff. But Policy Genius can help you out with life insurance. Well, that's the deal. The pant, they can't do anything about my 32 to 34. Yeah, well, what they can you, help yeah, with maybe it, what, is that the, never mind, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> Let's talk about life insurance mm-hmm. and Policy Genius. Now, how's it work? Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Well, you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. Eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Wow. That's really good. Mm -hmm. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor, higher than options from Ladder, Ethos, and Bestow. How does it work? Well, getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com, policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. Okay, get it done. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right and right from the start. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Joining us now is Mark Davis, host of The Mark Davis Show. You can also find his work on townhall.com and dallasnews.com. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. How are you, sir? <laughs> how you doing? Absolutely great. That's, that's living the dream. Texas. All things Texas. All things te- except Texas football. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you know, I have a degree from that institution. I do indeed. Yeah. Let's talk Texas, the border. What the hell? I mean, what are the words? What do you say? What do you think? What, what's happening? What can be done? I believe you have posed the question with the exact right flavor. From the what the hell uh, expletive to the gut-wrenching frustration of all of it, And so let's go in as many layers as you'd like with the first and most important one being, in my view, the notion of recognizing what this is and what it is not. It is not ineptitude. Don't anybody walk around and say, oh, the the, the Biden people, the Harris people, that they have no plan. They absolutely do have a plan. And this is it. This is a disaster, a chaos by design with the end game of as many tortured, needy souls as possible shoehorned into this country so that they can vanish into the tapestry, as we've seen just 
hours before we begin recording this. Now now it's Haitians added to the mix, vanishing into the American hinterlands, uh, given a court date, a laughable court date some 60 days out. Love to see the batting average on how many people show up for that because they know that they can safely disappear until they are eventually normalized, legalized, naturalized, and then energized to deliver decades of uh, loyal Democrat voting. Is that what it's about? Is that what it's about? That is exactly what it's about. So they're doing this on purpose to get forever Democrat majorities. Now, now look, I I know there is a certain element of mind reading involved in this. I mean, do I know this like I know my own name? You know, is is it like a law of physics that I know this? There's a, a degree of certainty that one can assert when listing the things that, that we believe in. And it comes from just knowing how people operate and knowing what they do. Uh, th- this, this is the Biden-Harris administration. If they want to enact a mask mandate or tell businesses what their vaccination rules can be or, or jam the, the new Green Deal down our throats, they will do it with stunning efficiency. So that if there really is something that is not being done, like defending the border, the natural human conclusion for anyone with a brainstem is because they do not want it secure. They want the problem because they want it to get worse, and they also want to politicize it in the process. Mark, deal with one uh, uh, counter to this. I heard uh, Carl Rove this morning on TV, and he he was asked this very question. He said, I, you know, I don't know. And he said, Newton, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. He said, Democrat counties... In Texas, there's always this debate about Texas, you know, being purple. When will it get blue? He said, it's not getting bluer. It's getting it's getting redder. Democrat counties are turning Republican in reaction to this. I would imagine that would happen at the border counties. Would that happen around Houston and Dallas as well? That is an enormous bridge to cross. The observation Carl made is, as usual, Correct. And if one is studying it under a magnifying glass in terms of the raw data of the elections and, and how things are, are, are likely to go, it's possible that uh, in, in our congressional districts, and they are vast congressional districts because it's not a lot of population down there, that, there, that, that Republican uh, fate uh, in the present and the future could, uh, could, could brighten uh, because people there are seeing the firsthand effects of of open borders, and that's the kind of thing that can rattle uh, even people on the center left. Let's stipulate a die-hard liberal folk are not suddenly going to go sour on 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 their everyday heroes. But to, to, to wonder if maybe in heavily Democratic Houston, heavily Democratic Dallas, heavily Democratic Austin, heavily Democratic San Antonio, heavily Democratic El Paso, which is on the border, that all of a sudden they are going to turn tail and reject, you know, the Biden doctrine of a possible Beto O'Rourke gubernatorial candidacy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This is but one issue in a busy, busy tapestry. And if anything, the next couple of election cycles are going to feature some Republican progress. We will take back the House. We may take back the Senate. We're looking good in 24. And that could give people a kind of focus bill like we saw in California a couple of days ago, where a whole lot of Democrats who'd have no use for Gavin Newsom at all voted to keep him anyway because they did not want Governor Larry Elder. They, they looked at the big picture at 30,000 feet. So I will believe it when I see it that the border, uh, the porousness of the border alone starts to turn Texas big cities purple. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, w- I wondered, I wondered about that myself. Um, because just the sheer fact of numbers and that tapestry, that's a nice way to put it, that complicated tapestry uh, and, and and that has all those uh, pieces and strands in it and weaves that make someone vote that way. Uh, it, it, especially lately. In fact, especially lately. Late. The borders are, are but one thing. This uh, heartbeat bill, this abortion bill that we have passed, yeah. the fact that we are protecting unborn babies, has the left in the middle of an energized conniption fit and nervous breakdown for the ages. They are so fired up about that, it could more than counteract. I got you. Almost yeah, yeah, I see. So there's there's the other action and reaction, right? Yeah, okay. I want to get to that that issue directly in a second. What's to be done? I mean, it seems to, isn't, isn't this easy also to undo? I mean, remain in Mexico, right? 
No, of course. Remain in Mexico. Uh, make sure that we all understand what the definition of asylum is. Yeah. Asylum is granted to people who are going to be killed in their home country because of the religion they practice or because of who they voted for. It is a palpable danger to mere existence in your home country. Uh, because you are exercising the basic right of choosing your leaders or choosing your God. That's what asylum is for. Economic distress. I can get a better job in Dallas than I can in El Salvador. Uh, That's never been a basis for for asylum and must never be a basis for asylum, because if it is, then we will not be able to turn anyone away. That's right. That's right. This whole notion of uh, we have to equalize opportunity in Guatemala to U.S., that will never happen. And if okay. that's the if that's the principle, then you you're you're, you're never going to get there. Where I started, Mark, boiling point. Will will this be the policy? What we're looking at today, will this be the policy in a year? Well, I, I'd love to think that you mentioned a boiling point, tipping point, whatever metaphor yep, yep, one would yep, like yep, to yep, use. Yep, You'd yep. like to think that that surely when things get surely. bad enough, that the the pendulum swings back the other way. That surely, heads begin to prevail. But but, but let's I I. I Maybe my cynicism is running a little too high, but isn't virtually everything turning to crap? Isn't the economy being turned on its ear? Isn't our culture sliding off its moorings? Look at what we've done in Afghanistan. And I I know, I guess what we need is a good, healthy election cycle to really see November of next year and maybe in the primaries this coming spring to maybe really see that real solid evidence that what you and I are talking about really is a tipping point. I hope to God it is. All right. You just did. We just had an interview earlier with a good friend of mine, and I started it by saying not what the hell is going on in Texas, but what the hell is going on? Exactly. You know, (laughs) everywhere. Uh, Surely they won't evacuate the military first. Uh, Surely they won't give up Bagram Air Force Base. Uh, We're going to get United Nations representation by the television. Makes your head spin. Um, Okay. Uh, Let's assume Republicans take the House back in 22. Will this be the policy at the border? Still? We will then be. You've asked the perfect tantalizing question, implying we have the House, but not the Senate. Then one wonders, I'm taken back to to the always entertaining John Boehner, who when conservatives would demand, would dare to demand something, he would say, we are but one half of one third of the the, the complete system of government, thus throwing up his hands, essentially saying, stop asking us to do this heavy lifting. I, I hope that we are, with, with all due regard to Mr. Boehner, I hope we are cultivating a different brand of Republican these yeah, days. Yeah. And a, a huge part of that is the energizing of Trump effect, uh, but, but a, a, with other factors at play as well. I hope that the will to fight, the will to change, and the urgency that comes from voters will compel uh, the freshly elected next Congress to not just wring its hands and ruminate about this, but actually do something about it. But I would suggest there's some futility to that if we don't have the Senate. And that futility may last until we uh, successfully install a Republican uh, in the White House in January of 25. So we could have by that time, what what has come into the country since Biden? Uh, what's the number? A million? Is it a million? Oh, it, it, certainly in that neighborhood. Yes, sir. So we could have four million. Here's, here's what might stand in the way of that because the, the, the mind reels at the possibilities if indeed there is no change. And from Washington, there may indeed be no change. Here in my state, uh, Governor Abbott, uh, in this term or his next, or if he is replaced by an even more conservative primary challenger, more on that in a moment, I don't consider that likely, but these are fluctuating times. There is much talk of flooding the Texas border with our, with National Guard, with the Texas State Guard, which is a thing, uh, with with DPS, essentially state troopers, uh, that, that putting our boots on the ground where our mouths are and doing as a state what the federal government will not do. And what will they do? They would have to, it's one of those pesky detail questions. You're exactly right. That's the question I always ask. What, what are they allowed to do? Well, they're, they're certainly not allowed to man the booth and, elbow uh, uh, an ice officer out of the way okay uh, it, 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 I, I think what it will involve is the imagery of immediate uh, 
detention without being handed over to Joe Biden's buses to be relocated to Missouri, but rather placed in some type of custody in Texas that is either indefinite in its length or, or less likely to lead to a pleasant life in the American heartland, thus delivering, thus delivering the, the imagery we had under Trump. We didn't have a full wall under Trump. He started. But the fact that everybody knew he started, it sort of put out a, 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 a whistle that immigrants could hear all the way to, to Chile saying, you know what, maybe coming to America is not the great idea that it was last month or last year. But, but wasn't the, again, I may be wrong, wasn't the, the remain in Mexico the key to that? Well, well, of course it was. It, it, it was. Policies are what they are. And I'm a big policy guy. You're a big policy guy. Uh, it, it, it's the, the premise of the prospect of success. The, it's, it, it, this is a law of physics, virtually, that people are drawn northward by the high prospect of success, the high prospect of being detained at the border and then placed into some situation that will lead you to a bus station and thus to some other American time zone. We can have remain in Mexico all day. We can define asylum properly all day. But if we don't do it to the satisfaction of millions who still think they want to try to, to, to bust okay. our borders with impunity, then, then they, they will still try to. So if I heard you right, you, you man the border with uh, lots of guys. Uh, and you uh, put people in uh, a holding pattern place somewhere in Texas, not in uh, Missouri or snuck into North Carolina that I know about in the middle of the night. Is that it? Correct. So that it appears for the average person considering their personal incursion, whether from Mexico City or Tegucigalpa, Honduras. That's such a good deal. It, it may not be as promising okay. a prospect as, as Uncle Joe has, uh, has promised. You think this will happen? It is a it is a non-zero chance, and by that I mean uh, Governor Abbott is running for re-election. He is being challenged on the right by two uh, two challengers who are not dismissible. And I'm not saying that he would do it purely for for political expediency, but uh, a, a rightward pivot is something that we have seen. It would be enormously popular with his base. And so there are two things that that lead to a politician's likelihood of doing something. A, is it a good idea on its merits? And B, will it add to his popularity? In this case, both answers are yes, so why not? Who are the two challengers? One one is someone every listener will know, the iconic conservative hero, former Congressman uh, Colonel Alan West, who uh, just came through a a stint as our uh, Texas State Republican chair. And the other is a dyed-in-the-wool conservative uh, former uh, state senator named Don Huffines, who has actually more money than Alan, more billboards than Alan, and currently more visibility than Alan. But they both poll... Recent poll came out head-to-head versus Abbott. They both poll roughly in the 20s, while Abbott polls in the 60s. He simply is not vulnerable right now, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's interesting you say to the right, because there are precincts up here that could not imagine anything to the right of Greg Abbott. Um, Great. So let, let me get, let me give you 60 seconds on how that happened. That's a very, very good point. People think, wow, Abbott, DeSantis, and Christy Noem, aren't they the conservative gold standard? And in many ways they are. But what, what Huffines in particular is coming after Abbott for is why haven't you flooded the border with state troopers already? Yeah, okay. Why haven't you gotten rid of our state property tax already? Okay. Why haven't you built a Texas wall already? I got et cetera, you. et cetera, et cetera. All right. Good. Let's talk about abortion. What's going on there? Um, my question is, when when the legislature passed this, did they mean it? Uh, they absolutely did. Okay. They, 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 if I if I if infer in the, uh, the way in which I believe you asked it, you know, were they acting sincere or was it posturing? Absolute sincerity, and I think the proof of their sincerity is the fairly intriguing methodology where they did not go in the sort of linear fashion of we. Texas are going to make certain abortions illegal, but we've set up a kind of an interesting uh, lawsuit space. If you hear of a woman securing this procedure or a doctor doing it or an Uber driver taking her, which is a bit of an extreme example, but it's one that the opponents have used, uh, then you can file a suit and maybe score at least $10,000 in damage civilly. This does, it, there's good news and bad news to this from my, from my very pro-life perspective. What does the bill say? It says that the, the state will permit and will entertain civil litigation for people 
who are a party in almost any direct fashion to the termination of a pregnancy past the detection of a heartbeat, which is usually six weeks. Ain't nobody going to jail. Uh, and, and, and that gets to the other, the other side of the coin. The good thing is, is they've wrapped a little Teflon around it. It makes it a little more immediately court challenge resistant. But the other thing is, is it just doesn't seem to be as soul satisfying. I don't know if I need a state full of people ratting on their neighbors that somebody just got an abortion. I kind of prefer the straight ahead notion of Texas saying we're not going to outlaw abortion until Roe v. Wade is overturned. I guess we can't do that. But we're darn sure going to protect babies once their heartbeat is detected. And if you want to challenge us on that, bring it. I think that's my person. That's probably where Mississippi is going. I think it's where Texas must eventually go. But in the meantime, you know, we're, we're, I'd love to say we're saving a lot of lives. I believe we are. But the story around here is that Oklahoma, New Mexico, Louisiana are brimming. The waiting rooms are brimming at Planned Parenthood with pregnant women from Texas. So, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's a tricky, true. tricky chapter. I mean, it's totally true. It it's is true. totally true. I mean, and, and anybody who thought, anybody who thought that pregnant women in Texas would simply shrug and go, well, I guess adoption is an option. One underestimates the compelling power, especially in today's culture, of, uh, of, of the, the manner in which we are a country where it remains scandalously easy to rid yourself of an unwanted pregnancy. So I've right. spent my whole professional life talking about the angels walking among us, crisis pregnancy centers, the adoption option, yeah. Yeah. so that you yeah. don't have to compound the admittedly uh, traumatic circumstance of an unwanted pregnancy with the tragedy of murder. Um, I, I straighten this out for me and the audience, uh, Mark. Um, very well said, by the way, your last paragraph there. Um, is this Was this written in this way to insulate challenge from Roe v. Wade? Correct, because the, the Roe v. Wade premise involves all kinds of things that are completely constitutionally suspect, but after you know, 48 years, yep, they yep, do settle yep. in. Uh, and, and they figured that in the hands of a, a liberal appellate judge that, that they'd be knocked out and there'd be injunction after injunction. This one is, is kind of nebulous. It's a, it's a pretty sublime curveball thrown at those who would try to challenge it because like, hey, these are just civil actions. It doesn't really originate with the state, the, uh, the, the, the argument goes. It originates with the citizenry and their employment of a uh, of an avenue provided by the legislation for them to pursue a remedy to their civilly. It, it is a certain type of genius. I have to hand it to them. Did I, did I read correctly that there is a challenge already in court? There, oh, yes. Uh, a couple of things have happened in the, in the last uh, week or so. Is there are people who are trying to challenge it anyway, that the, uh, the, the methodology that I've just, just described is essentially a distinction without a difference. It's right. still impeding right. a woman's constitutional right to terminate a pregnancy, fabricated by the, uh, the, the, the Burger Court in 1973. But the other development is we have this San Antonio doctor, quite the hero in his circles, I'm sure, uh, Dr. Alan Braid, who has uh, performed an abortion post six weeks, has bragged about it, saying that uh, well, I will not go back to 1972, a reference to the year before Roe v. Wade, but, uh, that abortion is a vital part of health care, that incredibly ghoulish mantra of the pro-choicers. And he has now been sued, and, and he will now properly go. He'll be an interesting test case to see just how this somewhat Rube Goldberg device yeah. that concocted actually works. He's been sued by a Texas citizen. He, no, he's been sued by, it's kind of funny, you don't have to be a Texas citizen to file suit. All you have to do is have eyes and ears and, uh, and a lawyer. Uh, I, he's been sued by two people, I think both of them in neighboring states. And you ready for this? Uh, at least one of those people filing suit opposes the Texas law. They just want this doctor to be a, a hero, a marker. They are actually challenged, they hope they're challenging it in the hope of running it up the flagpole so that it fails. Okay. Is this how you would have designed a law against abortion? It, 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 it's not. It's not. I, I think this would is the time closer for Closer to Mississippi? It, it, exactly. Say, you know what? Our, we are going under the assumption and, in fact, the confidence that we have enough constitutionalists on the Supreme Court that at some point which we, we will have what we have not had you know, since, the, since the Nixon presidency and in the Roe v. Wade of the era of 1973 that we will finally have the likelihood of a challenge that will be heard on its merits 
a challenge unobstructed by the judicial activism of liberal justices who will not rule, who, who will rule on what the Constitution actually says and not on their personal political and social views. Be something like Mississippi. Exactly. And that Mississippi law says what? It, it, is, it is a form uh, directive. The term I used is linear. Uh, they simply lay down guidelines of when you can and when you cannot. Uh, and and they're, I think they're uh, fraught with a few more exceptions. They're trying to some Swiss cheese holes that they're trying in Mississippi to, to, to make it a little more resistant to direct challenge. Because, of course, the name of the game is always, have you denied a woman a, a, a right to abortion? And Roe v. Wade sought to establish a balance between this woman's right and between a state's right to protect the unborn. Well, the state's right to protect the unborn has always been on solid ground. How much of a right does a woman have to terminate a pregnancy has always been the battleground. I would assert none, meaning a state can be as pro-life as it wishes, as pro-choice as it wishes, in a tapestry that the Ninth and Tenth Amendment would require. Because as those parts of the Bill of Rights say, if there's an issue that we don't address, we, your founding fathers, like abortion, gay marriage, uh, if, if we don't mention it, it's left to you. If we have these uh, these these uh, uh, judges behaving in the proper way on the Supreme Court, that's what we'd end up with, the tapestry. Some states, one set of rules. That, 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 that is exactly right. Yeah, I, I think speak so. A lot of, I, I, think I, so. I, I speak in, in college campuses, a, a, an environment you know well, and I walk in there and I, I tell them how stridently, how ardently, <laughs> Freudian slip, Freudian adverb, how ardently pro-choice I am, and then I tell them, but here's all I want. All I want is the Supreme Court to rule on what the Constitution says, and that's that if it's not in this document, it is left to the states. That means my state of Texas will be pretty strongly pro-life. Others, your Utah, your Alabama, maybe even more so, while Massachusetts, Hawaii, and Maryland will remain as ghoulishly pro-choice as their citizens wish them to be. That's all I'm asking for. And, you know, uh, and it, it gets some interesting nods of approval. No, it's brilliant, and I think the only the only resolution, the only only thing possible. Let's so. let's talk about other things in Texas. Uh, not so dramatic, not so headlinish, but boy, they make a difference. Uh, the cost of a rental truck going to uh, Texas as opposed to going to California. Yeah, the infamous the infamous U-Haul index. Please, someone decided to actually please study this. And it's all based on supply and demand. How many people are trying to get from Texas to other places? You know, X amount. You get your occasional job transfer, the occasional family concern where you move from Texas and go somewhere else. But if you take a look at certain states and see what the U-Haul rates are like bringing one in, you try to get a trailer and come here from California. Good luck with that. Not just in terms of price, but availability, because they may all be leased out. To real Texans, who's less welcome? The illegals at the at the bottom or the Californians coming in? <laughs> well, you know, to you know, Austin. The, the people coming into Austin from California? I don't, mean, I, <laughs> I don't mean to be flippant. I truly don't mean to be flippant. But an illegal immigrant may may tax our social system. Uh, but but those incoming Californians they vote. Yeah. And so let let me let me extend from that with with uh, with a semi serious uh, paragraph. Uh, the governor and various chambers of commerce are always happy to say, "Look at us. We just, we just poached another business uh, yeah. here in the yeah. suburbs of DFW. We got hundreds of people who just moved to Plano a few years back." with the big the transfer of a Toyota facility. And that's yeah. always great. Yeah. It's great for the tax base. Yeah. But, but, but I began to ask on my own show, can we check these people's voting patterns? Yeah, please, can we yeah. see if they're going to try to come here and try to reenact the ruin from which they have escaped? Got to check papers from people coming from Afghanistan on those big planes. <laughs> exactly. We got to check the voting records, these Californians. Uh, now that's a vetting I could support. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's tribute to Texas. And do you have all the doctors now? Well, I don't know if we have, we're working on it. I, <laughs> we have uh, and a number of other professions that are streaming in here as well. I, I, I'm going to give you some. What are the insight. other professions? I knew I knew with the protection of doctors that they were going there in, in bunches. What, what are the other professions it, it, that are it's it, advantageous to live in Texas? Almost any profession that seeks a lighter regulatory touch. And that, that's probably a pretty long list because if there's anything that uh, that we have done more smartly here, it is give businesses more latitude to uh, to run things as, as they see fit. 
And Bill, what an interesting addendum here because, wow, an actual segment where nobody's even said the word COVID, but I will in the following way because in this it's very- It's on uh, my mind. I don't know what's wrong I with know. me. What is that? I, I thought we were all done with it. Yeah. Well, guess again. But here's the thing. In a state that is famous for letting businesses do what they want and have a little more latitude, my phone lines are filled with people who actively want businesses to be told that they cannot require masks or cannot require vaccines. I'm free to agree or disagree what a business wants to do and shop where I wish and enter where I wish. But what a fascinating, selective uh, regulatory taste. Some people have chosen, as they say, all of a sudden that Governor Abbott or someone should indeed be able to tell a business what its policy should be in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Mark, this was great. Goodness gracious, great to talk to you. You're as good as ever, and uh, you were always very good. That's the opposite of Biden. You you know what they said about Biden. He's not half the guy he used to be and wasn't much then. I was told there would be no math in this interview, no math at all. That that is eloquent. I would expect nothing less, Bill. It is an honor to be in your company in any venue. Gosh, you sound great, really terrific. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Well, Claude, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. Do I tweet? You do tweet. People ask me, and I don't know the answer. (laughs) Yes. I do. And that's the same as Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. If I tweet, that means I'm on Twitter. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you tweet, you can can only tweet on Twitter. Why isn't it twit? I guess that's a bad (laughs) word. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter, William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. We would love to hear from you. And we read emails from listeners on the show. Absolutely. Uh, it's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. 